Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast, the podcast where we talk about everything tabletop RPG. My name is William, and I'm joined today by Ryan, or Vivid Wizard, the game designer behind Beasts and Basements, father, K-8 art teacher, uh, 11K followers on TikTok, and over 10 years experience as a Dungeon Master. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. So we have some inter- an interesting topic to get into. It's a topic I've been wanting to talk about for a long time on the show. And what you do with Beasts and Basements uh, really taps into that. So I'm, I'm really excited. Um, but before, before we get into Beasts and Basements and before we get into our tabletop RPGs for kids, uh, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, about who you are and what you do? Yeah. Uh, so my name is Ryan. Uh, I'm an art teacher and a father. I've been teaching art for like 10 years and I'm somebody who just kind of wants to do everything. You know, I am a, a neurodiverse person. So I go in from like special interest to special interest. And like, I want to I want to just taste everything in life, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done a lot of publishing projects and art projects and books and graphic novels and things. Beasts and Basements is one that I just did and people were like really took to it so it's kind of becoming a a main thing here yeah yeah absolutely no i i could see why people would be into it i um you know i have kids and getting well one one of them's too little for rpgs it's not happening yet but the other one is a little kind of reluctant and i've uh i've toyed around with different different ideas and concepts to try and get them a little more interested in but we'll we'll get to that that in a second where i've been wondering this where does the name vivid wizard come from why why vivid wizard yeah so uh among all of my things that i love to do uh one of my jobs is what i call being a semi-professional bubble wizard (laughs) so uh i i go to like music festivals and stuff like that and we do like giant bubbles uh for the kids and all kinds of i call it vivid wizard puppets bubbles and general wizardry so there's like gonzo puppet shows and weird stuff um and i just adopted the name vivid wizard there when i go to these festivals 
people call me like the bubble wizard, but I just, I just don't feel like I'm the, I'm like a bubble wizard, you know? See, you're one of so, many. You're one of yeah, many. Yeah. So <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's a really cool job. That's, that's really cool stuff to be up to. a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Ryan, um, I know you've made your own RPG, but when you're not running your own RPG, what is your tabletop RPG of choice? What are you usually playing? I mean, it's definitely got to be Dungeons and Dragons. You yeah. know, that's the one for me. Um, and specifically, I really like 3.5, probably just for nostalgia goggles. Like, that's where I started, yeah. and that's what I did the most. Right. Fifth edition is cool. I do love it. But 3.5, like, I like I miss, like, all the specific skills and stuff. Like, right, right. I miss being able to be, like, have a historical knowledge of rope making and then like <laughs> rope crafting skills and then the use rope skills. So you can just like, Hey, it's in the rules. This is a, I'm going to use right. this crazy rope here. <laughs> yeah. That is definitely something different from the the more current edition of uh, 5e specifically. There's just a lot less of the specificity. Here's a question. So you like 3.5. I've played 3.5 only, only once. What is your opinion on Pathfinder first edition? Because I know they're very related. Yeah, I actually haven't tried Pathfinder from, but from what I understand, it's essentially like the same thing. Like right. it works the same. Yeah, we I just did three point five because it, it's like the books that we had when we were oh, younger. Oh, I see. You know? I see. Yeah, no, that yeah. totally makes sense. Um, I I started with fourth edition myself, which you know is the uh, the redheaded stepchild of 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 all D and D stuff. But I have a deep love of fourth edition, despite its flaws. So I understand the nostalgia. Yeah, it's so, really a matter of like detail, you know, like. Yeah. 3.5 was pretty detailed. Fourth was like really detailed. And they're like, let's let's simplify it a little bit. Right. Like right. Which has actually, to their credit, has done them it's, well because it's, it's brought good. in a ton of people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we're here to talk about running tabletop RPGs for, for kids. And I wanted to know what what is your experience running the games for kids? What games have you run for kids? Yeah. So um I taught elementary for quite a while. And I used to run a little game club with the little ones. And there's this organization called Magic Kids by where I live. And they just gave me all of these cards to teach them Magic the Gathering, oh. which was like, you'd think they'd be too young for it, but they they get it. And like, so I was doing that with them. Um, and um, we never we did t play test Beasts and Basements a little bit, but Beasts and Basements started with like my son when he was like two, you know, it was like, I'm how I got so sick of playing Candyland, <laughs> shoots yeah, and ladders, no, you know. Not, it's like, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! So <laughs> it kind of came out of necessity, but yeah, I I really believe in the power of like learning through games. Yeah. So that's what I was doing with that game club. Like we're playing Magic: The Gathering, and it started as a fun thing, but then it's like, oh, they're doing mental math. Like they're learning social skills. Like there's so much to be they probably learn more in that little game club than in math class, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. To a certain degree, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot to be learned from games for sure. Yeah. Uh, and now what... I, I run a game design club because I teach middle school now. So we're running a game design club, which is pretty cool too. So oh, okay. the kids are, it's hard to get them to not just make Candyland. It's like, let's make a game. And it's like, well, you got to get from here to here and it's random right. dice rolls. <laughs> but like one kid started making like a Legend of Zelda themed like tabletop battle game. Like it's that's starting to get cool. a lot, a lot cooler. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, what's, uh, what's your experience with actual tabletop RPGs? Like what's it like when kids play tabletop RPGs? Yeah. It, it's really cool. Like I, Beasts and Basements was this kind of, 
one of those harebrained ideas. I just came home from work. Like I, I told my wife, like, I got this idea for this thing called Beasts and Basements. It's like, okay, another <laughs> crazy idea. But um, I started doing it with my son. Like we just wrote up our own little character sheets and made it up as we went. And what I found is that like, you know, like I do puppet stuff as well, like I said. And when mm -hmm. you have a puppet in front of a kid, like they talk to the puppet, you know, they, yeah. they don't treat it like you're controlling a puppet. They suspend their disbelief and they mm. that puppet becomes real to them and they come up with things about it. And I discovered that they do that same thing with tabletop RPGs, you know, like when you have a character, they're talking to the character and to a much greater extent than adults do, they make it real. Like right. to bring the power of a child's imagination into this type of game, really cool things happen. It's it's yeah. quite amazing. So it sounds like they 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 get the role play part immediately, naturally. Like it just it just happens. Yeah, that's really cool. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything else that you'd say is is different when you're playing with kids than say if you have a game with with adults? Yeah that the imagination happens a lot easier. And and when you're playing, like when you're running a game with adults, you hope that they really get into it and they yeah, forget sure. that it's a game that just happens so much quicker with kids. But one thing I think is different with kids is that they don't care about all the teeny tiny details as much, you know, right. like with adults, it can be like, you know how detailed some of these things can yeah. be. Like, oh, but and, I, I have a plus two to this because of this reason. And, and you know, technically the rules say this kind of. Right. The rules yeah. don't matter as much to the kids, but it's right. important to have them there to have some structure to it. Mm -hmm. it it's kind of like playing make believe in the yard, um, but just at, mixed up with the game, you know? Oh, okay. And we kind of touched on this before because we talked a little bit about you thought the kids were. Uh, picking up math, mental math, quicker with Magic the Gathering. Uh, what are what are some of the the benefits that you you see uh, kids getting out of tabletop RPGs at a young age? Yeah, um, it was really cool when I started playing with my son because I mean he was very young and naturally doing this mental math things out of necessity. Like he rolls the dice, he sees that he has this score to add to it. And it starts with that basic math. So there's all of those technical skills and also reading, that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. it gets deeper when you get into a game like this because there starts to become a socio-emotional element as well. Like, right. like you know, I, I'm not going to... It's not a violent game, Beasts and Basements. I, I made it more of a pacifist type of game. Okay. So that the kids learn about helping people and being a hero and all that. So I started to see with my son, like that I could work in some of those socio-emotional issues that he was dealing with as like a toddler into this game. And he could right. like, in a role-playing setting, um, kind of work through social and moral issues. I even, it was kind of funny. Mm -hmm. I put his preschool in the game, in the original, like the old alpha game. Mm -hmm. And he would, he would be this... Um, his character, Mr. Mustache, is this like this giant, <laughs> just giant monster character. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, really that's cool. Mr. I mustache. love it. That's yeah. awesome. I love that he mustache. would just like roll up to the preschool and be like, how's it going? Does anybody need help? And, you know, it'd be like, well, this kid's not sharing his toys. And he would work through oh, sharing the toys. It's like all of these things, wherever your kid is at, you know, even yeah. middle schoolers. Um, 
I've played this with young children all the way up to middle school, and you can work in any of those kind of important lear social learning things in right, right through the game. Like yeah, the middle totally. schoolers want to like do nasty stuff, yeah. and you can, you can work <laughs> in like yeah. the consequences <laughs> of that, and and it it really does happen that way. It's cool. Sure, absolutely, absolutely, and yeah, yeah. Some some kids are definitely gonna lean towards the nastier stuff, but um, yeah. I will say, uh, I think one of the things that sticks out for me as as like a clear benefit of of tabletop RPGs at a young age is one of the things about tabletop RPGs is it's in a way you could break it down to a series of problems that need solutions, right? Whether you're trying to make your way through a dungeon and you have a combat, that's a problem that you need to to find your way to a solution or avoiding a trap or or uh, navigating your way through like a social situation or a skill challenge or whatever. Like I feel like tabletop RPGs lend themselves to to cultivating critical thinking and thinking outside of the box, rewarding people who think outside the box. And also just just learning, kind of like you said, um, you know, actions and consequences and and how how to navigate between those two things. Um, yeah, like kind of goes into like creative problem solving is what I yeah, call it. Yeah, there we go. Creative problem solving. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. As an art as an art teacher, that's something I really value. And I think that's one of the reasons we learn art in school is like we're practicing creative problem solving. It's very much so the same with these right. games. It makes a and, lot of sense. Yeah. And then um in my personal experience, so so when I was so when I was really young, I probably was nine. I want to say nine or ten, somewhere in that age, maybe even eight. Um, I had never heard of D and D. As a matter of fact, I uh, ended up not ever hearing of Dungeons and Dragons until my very very early twenties, and until I was twenty years old. But my buddy had this board game, and this board game was called Dragon Strike. It was I think it came out in like nineteen ninety two or something like that. And essentially, what this was was at the time. Um, I don't know if it was Wizards or TSR who owned the company then, but whoever were the stewards of D&D at that time, this was one of their their many outreaches to to the younger generation of a simplified version of D&D that you could get into. It was really cool. There was like four fold-out boards that had different maps. There was like a castle, a town, a forest, something else I don't remember. And you had your minis and these little character sheets and all the die and all this other stuff. It was essentially, it was like D&D light. And mm -hmm. It blew my mind. Like I had never encountered anything like this in my whole life. I had, I was quite a reader back then. So I, I read quite a bit of fantasy, but this was like, I get to do what they do in my fantasy books. Like it just, I couldn't believe it. It was, I was addicted to that for like three or four years before we played through all, all the little adventure modules and there was kind of nothing left to explore. Um, and then fast forward 10 plus years later when I get into D and D and so on and so forth. So I can imagine the experience you probably have of of running these fantasy scenarios for kids and their eyes just lighting up because I remember what happened to me when I was a kid. It is like that. I, 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 there's a lot of these kids, especially around middle school age, that know about D and D, but there's like this barrier of like it, there's too many rules. Like I would love to play that, but mm -hmm. I don't quite know what it is and can't get into it. And when I start playing this game with them and they realize like what it is and how much freedom there is and like how the game works, they're like you could do that this is how this game works you know right, it's crazy right. yeah it's cool. and honestly that's not even that unfamiliar or, or that that unique to kids you have the same problem with adults um try when you're trying to explain dungeons and dragons or tabletop rpgs to someone who has no idea what you're talking about 
Um, I've, in my experience, like no matter how much I try to explain it, it always falls flat. It's always just either, look, just play one session. You'll get it. And within 10, 15, 20 minutes, they get it. And they have that light bulb moment of, oh, I understand now. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, so we talked about a lot of the positive aspects of this. I'm curious if there are any of net negatives or challenges, but what are the, some, some of the biggest challenges that you face when it comes to introducing the hobby to kids? Yeah. So a lot of it comes from just being able to run a game, like your, your mm -hmm. level of experience running a game like this, the more experienced you are, the, the smoother it's going to go. Cause you're going to run into issues. Like a kid wants to do something that's inappropriate for a oh, kid. Yeah. Yeah. And how am I going to resolve that? You know, mm -hmm. um, but I kind of designed this game to catch people at that base level and they can learn how to be like a dungeon or game master or whatever mm. through that, you know. Um, but as far as issues with the game, I don't know. It, it seems to run pretty smooth. I've always been really, really pleasantly surprised with how well yeah. it goes. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. So before you before we get into like the details of Beast and Basements, how it's played, et cetera, et cetera. What was the impetus? What was the, the the light bulb moment for you of like, oh, I, I, I want to make this thing D&D for kids, if you will. We'll call it Beasts and Basements. Like, how, how did that process go? Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. There's like a little bit of lore behind it. I, okay. I have this graphic novel called Maisie Noodles, Amazing Doodles. And it's it's about this third grade girl, this crazy kind of sp spontaneous wild girl. And it's her drawing journal. And it talks about a lot of stuff. But um. In that in that book, she invents beasts and basements. There's this part where she's like, here's this game that I made up with my friends. And there's like these little made up book modules like beasts and basements, party time, how to make friends in the world of beasts and basements. It's all about like making friends. So it came from that right. as like a little joke in this book. And then when I decided I wanted to play with my son, I was like, we're going to play beasts and basements. Like we're going to mm -hmm. actually do this. And, and it was awesome. Like we just wrote up our sheets and it was, I can't, he's two. I can't believe this is working. Like if your kid yeah. can play with action figures and role play, they can do this. There's just a few more roles to it. Yeah, and definitely. So I did that. And then, um, I had been checking out TikTok a little bit and I just made this post on TikTok like, hey, look at this thing that I um, that I do with my son. And people were like, whoa, you know, they're like, you got to make a Kickstarter, like, please take my money. And I was like, <laughs> right. all right, like if you want to, well, let's do it. And then For the sure. Kickstarter was super successful. And a year later, like 250 artworks, <laughs> drawings and things later, mm -hmm. here we are. That's awesome, man. All right. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about Beasts and Basements. Uh, can you give me the, the rundown on the basic design of this game? How do you play? Yeah, so um, it is like a super simplified. It, the basic kind of philosophy behind it is as simple as possible while still maintaining that level of freedom, creative problem solving, feeling like there's a way for me to do anything that I can think of. Right. It's it's really simplified down. There's there's three basic skills that you have or uh, like uh, like skill attributes. You have strongness, smartness and speediness. That's okay. it. Yeah. Right. And any one of those can dictate a role into any sort of action. Um, and then as far as things like collecting items, managing your spells, pets, things like that. 
you know how it is when you're playing a tabletop RPG and you've got this list of written things. You've got all these amazing items that you never use because you like mm. forget. And it's like, I know that kids are not going to function well with just a list of items. So right. all the items, pets, spells, things like that are on like cards for the kids nice. to hold. Right. Yeah. And um, the big have visual your... on it. That's really cool. Right, yeah, and on the back they also have like it says what the card does, but it shows it visually as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then, but you know, say they have twenty of these cards on your sheet, you can carry three of them at once. You kind of like set up your loadout. So they okay. like these are my three things that I can use, and um, uh, yeah. So like an item would be tied to your strongness attribute. You use mm -hmm. strongness to use items. Pets are with speediness, and then spells are cast with a smartness roll. Okay. I also, later on, I added snacks, snack <laughs> cards, okay, which is, cool. this is like a consumable item. Gotcha. And then I also added sticker cards. So you get, you get stickers, which is like a constant effect. So um, that's kind of the basics of how, like, the character works. And I actually did find a way to just the skill attributes it's just a raw score that you add to your role. It, it doesn't have to deal with modifiers. I wasn't okay. sure if that was going to work in the first place, but I kind of, I worked it out and it works mm -hmm. just fine. So, so that makes me nice. curious. I would imagine if that's the case, the numbers in this system are pretty low then, right? Where we're talking like it, single digits. Get, well, it, it starts single digits, but it gets up there. The, the oh, real yeah. kind of like soft level cap is like 45. So you could play in each, each time you get one skill point. So okay, it starts okay. very simple, but then you might like do a roll. You might add like 20 to your roll. You know, wow. Like okay. Yeah. There we go. So the math gets like steps up very incrementally as you go. Mm -hmm. um, but the, yeah, the checks are designed so that they're, they'll fall in a reasonable level there. But, you, are, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's okay. You, you can go ahead. I was going to ask, is there anything, cause you mentioned levels. Um, mm -hmm. Did you, is there anything like, like or similar to classes or backgrounds or anything like that yeah uh there there are classes and they're pretty simple as well mm -hmm. um like this is a like a, a toy a master of toys class who would specialize what? in in <laughs> items right that's and cool yeah so you choose your your class or character type and on that page there's just like every 10 5 or 10 levels or so you get a special ability right mm -hmm. So that's really all it is. It's not super complicated, but there's like special powers that are unique to your class. And I try to make them as like cool and like unique and different as possible. None of them are like generic or boring. The idea is that like a kid is going to, is not going to be able to decide which one to take. It's like, Oh, oh yeah. So cool. Yeah, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And also, it, like, as, oh, go ahead. as far as other game mechanics. Uh, so like I said, it is a pacifist type game. But mm -hmm. that doesn't mean there's not like combat per se. So the way combat works is selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However, you cha-ching Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. 
and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. You have, instead of health, you have vibes. Your vibes are at 10, say, and if your vibes uh-huh. go down to zero, the worst thing that's going to happen to you is you're gonna, you have to go home and take a nap. You okay. know? You're like, <laughs> I need a break. This is too much for me. You know, It's mm-hmm. super wholesome like that. Like Nobody's dying or anything. Right. But the the beasts, so you're in the Heroes Club. The Heroes Club is like well, this group of people that goes around and helps learn how to be a hero. But there's beasts in the world that are acting up and causing problems. Their vibes mm-hmm. are at zero. So it's your job to figure out how to get their vibes up to 10, help them yeah, solve their problems and figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a reverse combat. You know, but yeah, when yeah. their vibes are low, they're doing things that might lower your vibes, you know, right, doing exactly. things that, that are like attacks, but not quite. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And That's what's re- cool about that, I, I like that, like there's certain beasts that if you help them like three times or so, they will join like the community and they'll have like a little job in the community, you know. Cool. That's yeah. really neat. I like that yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So this kind of segues kind of nicely into this next question. It sounds to me like uh, Beast and Basement has its own setting. Um, does it have its own setting? What is this setting like? Yeah, I love the setting of this game. There's there's essentially two chapters to this part of the game. There'll probably be more in the future, and you can. It's highly encouraged that you add and create your own content. But in this iteration of the game, chapter one, you start out in this town called Hometown. And it's what you would expect like a typical sort of fantasy setting to be, although it's kind of crazy. Like there's like garbage mountains and like stuff like that. Um, so the first one is almost like what you would expect. And then the chapter two is when it gets really out there and really gonzo. So it starts like a fantasy RPG. Chapter two, you end up going into an alternate universe and it brings in like cyberpunk RPG, space <laughs> RPG, like crazy interdimensional stuff. So I I really I'm really excited about the chapter two stuff. Those designs have been fun. Yeah, like, no, that sounds cool. 
you you like ascend into space and figure out how to travel space and then there's deep space where it gets even weirder and then there's a portal to a place called supernovia and there are these beings called supernovians which are like interdimensional chaos creatures and like those designs are wild like oh, that's really all cool man they're like just random chaotic crazy stuff so yeah it gets pretty neat like that yeah i've uh recently i've been getting into a system called um dungeon crawl classics which really lends itself to the old school gonzo style of fantasy so you're speaking my language right now this sounds really cool really yeah, the, really like it the supernovian designs are my favorite like i just let loose yeah. with those and they get really crazy and what i like <laughs> about the chapter two is a lot of the characters and beasts from chapter one appear in chapter two, but they're like an alternate different version. Ooh, that's cool. And there's a, there's a lot of passive storytelling going on where it's like, you could come up with a theory and figure out that, Oh, this guy from chapter two, I think that's this guy that I met in chapter one, but he's like a little different. Mm -hmm. There's a lot mm -hmm. of that sort of passive storytelling that I'm not going to tell you directly, but right. you could figure it out. Yeah. And if you do, there can be maybe a reward for that in, in, a role play fashion or something mm -hmm. um here's here's a question uh do you, do you have any like key influences when it comes to designing this game the creatures the setting it, it, what are you drawing from yeah a lot of it's a lot of stuff because i have so many interests but mm -hmm. as far as like my publishing graphic novels and that sort of zone a lot of my influences come from like dave pilkey like captain underpants those oh, kinds sure, of i sure. love those books like dog yeah. man and cat kid and all that i read those with my son and i just like we were talking about gonzo i love i love that stuff that just gets wild and silly and crazy mm -hmm. yeah um there's a lot of influences also like i love the game undertale that was one of the first Great games game. that i discovered that had an option of being pacifistic you know right. like, like why haven't we thought of this that like a game can still be fun and challenging like it's challenging to be a pacifist it is and and i love i i do love violent media like i'm a i'm a quentin tarantino fan like it's sure. fun you know it's mm -hmm. great but there's enough of that i think in kids stuff like I it's fine right. it's yeah. fun but like the whole good guys versus bad guys thing like we could use a little something a little different than that exactly there's nothing wrong with it with a little different and and yeah the pacifist run of undertale is all if you ask me it's actually the more fun run for that game mm -hmm. yeah. um love that game um good influence um what is your favorite mechanic rule design element what's your favorite like single singular thing from this game yeah like i was talking about those supernovians and that is so it's so fun to draw those guys and to yeah. design their spaces. It seems free. It's just like I can make it whatever I want. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like there's one, there's a supernovian that appears in chapter one who like he doesn't belong there and you don't know what he is. It's like, what is this thing? You might find out later what the supernovians are, but like it has like chaotic effects. You know, like it, you might roll a dice to see one of like six effects that it does, like, you know, turn you into a chicken or like just <laughs> random crazy things. So that's. Pretty yeah, cool. no, that's fun. That's fun. And I, I love a little randomness in my, my RPGs. That sounds cool. There's also there's another beast called Laundry Robots that I really like. 
Um, the laundry robots are like the rogue AI. You know, they created these robots <laughs> to like do their laundry and it went all wrong and they're spraying oh, no. soap in people's eyes, you know, yeah, and great. carrying people away thinking they're laundry. And then in chapter two, there's like a, the laundry robot 2.0, which is kind of like the beholder of <laughs> Beasts and Basements because it's got like four arms and it can do like a soap spray or like a freezing spray. Uh, like, yeah, it'll do yeah. like a fluff like cycle where it sprays feathers at you and tickles you you know so that's pretty fun <laughs> that's man. cool man i really like it that's awesome i'd love to run this game honestly yeah. um here's are there any dragons in this game there is there are two dragons in the game um yeah. that's not to say there aren't like huge beasts there's definitely a lot of beasts that entertain that sort of like massive like too big for me kind of thing uh, there is a dragon in chapter one, the cloud dragon that in the section that's like how to help, it's like question marks. It's like, I don't know. And this thing is like, it's way too strong. Right, and it, right. Like one of the encounters with it is that it's like national stuff your face with donuts day. And we're having a donut picnic and we need somebody to protect the donuts because that dang cloud dragon keeps blowing our donuts over, you know? That's so terrible. it's like this menace in chapter one and then in chapter two you go to the cloud dragon's lair as one of the as one of the places you go to and help it out as like a boss there's also a bubble dragon in the game which is cool oh that is cool that's cool yeah uh, where do they meet that is that in chapter two is that chapter one stuff oh uh, that's a chapter two one. Oh yeah and then cool. there's also there is a candy so there's a pet that you get as a candy dragon um and this is one that you Ooh. might it's almost like a mount that helps you travel through space and it does other things as well. And I think in chapter one, there's like a baby candy dragon that lives in the candy mountains. That's like the baby candy dragon is like either too hot or too cold. So it's like either melting or it's like stuck and you got to. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's cool. That's cool. So we got uh cloud dragon, bubble dragon, candy dragon. That's, mm -hmm. that's cool. Okay. We got a good amount of dragons in this game. Uh, how about dungeons? Do you have dungeons in this game? Yeah, so there's not dungeons, but there are basements, right? The basements oh, are like the dungeon of this game. So okay. there's uh, there's 10 of them in the game. There's five in chapter one, five in chapter two. I was going to do more, but it was almost too much at a point. It was like, I, yeah. I want people to be able to get through this game. Mm -hmm. um, the basements are great. I, I spend a lot of time on them. They're like, uh, they have this nice artsy, like illustrated isometric designs so they're like these nicely 3d drawings Ooh. and it just tells you what to do in each step and how to solve the problems and they're super varied like i try to make them all different like yeah. one of them is the dice goblins cave which is like um a retro video game boss took over the basement so you have to go through the dice goblin cave and like win some carnival games to win prizes to like activate this elevator and then you're in like a zelda puzzle where it's like Ooh. there's torches and pots that you break and lock doors and there's like a Mario part where you're like jumping on turtles. And I don't know. So no, that's great. That. That's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> and then it goes, there's like one is like a, the snack machine, which is like a tech dungeon, like the snack machine's broken and we have to get through all the tech and the defenses to fix it. It's all over the place with the dungeons. No, yeah. two of them are alike. No, the variety I think is good. That That's awesome. And uh, you draw from all kinds of cool places. It sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, to move away a little bit from from the game itself, um, do you have any advice for parents like me, older siblings, or basically anyone trying to introduce tabletop RPGs to the next generation? Like, do you have any any bits of advice for, for that? Yeah, I mean, I would say 
with something like this, you have to let the kids guide you mm. on on what's going to work for them. You know, because right. like this game, I've played it all the way from having a two year old all the way up through middle school. And you have to tailor the experience to the kid. You, you can't like try to get them to the level of the game. You know, you, right. gotta, like, you can't make them play the way you want. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That you can't be sense. that dungeon master who's like, yeah. I have this certain way it's going to go. Because like right. with kids, it's not going to go that way. No, of course not. So you, you got to be, I call it a loosey goosey game. You know, you got to be like yeah. kind of loosey goosey with it. You got to make it more like playing with action figures, you know, right. and less like super rules based. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. My biggest advice would be just stop playing Candyland. <laughs> yeah. Know? No, that's so it's not great. It's pretty straightforward. It's not great. <laughs> um, what was I going to ask? Oh, so so it sounds the way you're talking about Beast of Beasts. It sounds very much like an adventure module. Are there tools in the game to allow people to just go off and and homebrew and like do a campaign of their own? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. It's highly encouraged. So. Cool. It's highly encouraged to the point where there are how to draw pages. Like here's Ooh. how, because you know I'm an art teacher, so there's like here's mm -hmm. how you might draw a character or how you draw the cards. The game is going to come with some a couple blank cards. There's like some blank class pages, stuff like that. Like it's it's highly encouraged. It's like I've made all of this for you, but this isn't it. Like you should right. you should be making the stuff as you go. Excellent. And and also That's I'm having cool. a lot of fun in the end stages of designing with like the generation tables. Mm. You know, like I have a couple D and D modules that like you. I think it was uh, what is it? Um, Volo's guide uh to monsters. I think it is mm -hmm. that has like you can generate towns. You know, like oh, nice, what's in nice. the town, what's the calamity in the town, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. So there's some things like that where you could generate an entire town, all the buildings, all the NPCs in there, and they'll, it, you can roll for their names, you know, you get these goofy really cool. sounding names. So, yeah, yeah it's it's <laughs> it's highly encouraged to make your own stuff for sure. Cool. I, I got to say, this game sounds awesome. Um, Thank you. Where can where can the audience find Beasts and Basements? Where, th where can they go to support? Yeah, you can go to beastsandbasements.com. That's kind of the central hub. You mm -hmm. can pre-order the game right now, or depending on when this airs, you might be able to just buy it. And also, TikTok is kind of my main place where I post the most stuff communicating with people. So you can follow Vivid Wizard on TikTok. But, you know, there's also a link tree, which is like there's a mailing list and all that stuff. And it's on YouTube. So just wherever you get your content, hopefully find me there. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll include all the links in the description as well. All right, man. Well, is there anything else you wanted to add uh, about either playing TTRPGs with kids or about Beasts and Basements before we call it a game? Hmm. Um, I think I just want to thank everybody who's been part of this so far because this project it has been very much a grassroots kind of thing. A lot There's a community around it already on TikTok. And like I've had in the early stages sessions where I'm doing like a live video, doing character designs and people helping me come up with ideas. There have been contests for like design a character ideas like Sir Theodore Tubbytons is like this cat, this noble cat who will put himself in harm's way. That's adorable. <laughs> and that was somebody from TikTok came up with that idea. That's adorable. Um, and there's even people that like bought a higher level package on Kickstarter that I could put a likeness of them in the game. So there's like kids 
that will be playing this game are like their likenesses in the game. So there's wow. this like strong sense of community here. And yeah, I just want to say thank you to all my people out there. It's really cool. And like somebody even suggested we should start a discord for it, maybe run games or like somewhere people can share their own content. Mm -hmm. So I just, yeah, I, I just wanted that's to. That's an excellent idea, by the way, you definitely should. Yeah. I just want to speak on that community element. Cause I think mm -hmm. the more community we build around this, the cooler of a thing it is. Uh, so yeah. Cool beans. Well, if you guys are interested in this game, um, I know I am. Check out Beasts and Basements. Check out the links below. Uh, support this Kickstarter. Um, this could be a great way to get your kids into playing uh, D&D and other RPGs. Uh, this is really cool, man. Uh, I'm going to try and get my hands on a copy. This is this is awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, we actually, we we uh, we have a, a ongoing project right now where we're testing out a bunch of systems. So when mm -hmm. this comes out, I think I'm going to try and get my hands on it and then run it on that show. That would be great. And I, yeah. I would love to do any kind of actual play stuff with you guys if you're looking. Oh, yeah. I have a no, lot of absolutely. fun with that kind of stuff. Yeah, we'd yeah. love to have guests on the show. So I'll, mm -hmm. I'll keep in contact about that. Um, with that being said, I think we can get ready for a long rest and call it a game. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Have a good we'll day. Talk, we'll talk to you guys later. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.